Simeon is getting old. He is getting up in years, not, not really guaranteed, you know, how many more years he might have. And he's just simply holding on, hanging on to this promise that God has given him. Against everything else going on in his life, his age is creeping up on him. You know, he's getting towards the end of his life. I still haven't seen. I still haven't had this promise fulfilled. Can we feel like him sometimes today? That the promises of God are delayed, that we're waiting and waiting and waiting. and Oh, my, this has been a year of waiting, hasn't it? Simeon spent most of his time in the temple, even though he wasn't a priest. He's just a servant of God. He loved God. And we go there every day wondering if this was the day, you know, until finally the Holy Spirit just made sure he was there on a certain day. God promised him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah with his own eyes. Not in a vision, not in a dream. No, he would see the Savior. He would hold the Savior of the world in his arms. And apparently he had been waiting for a long time for God to fulfill his promise. And someday, somehow, he lived every day with with anticipation. (laughs) Anticipation, uh, expectation of what God was going to do day after day, year after year. Now, Luke gives us some key details about Simeon that we don't want to miss here in chapter 2. He says that he was righteous and devout. He was a true believer. He was a sincere follower of God. There's no pretense in this man, just great humility. He says that he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah and that the Holy Spirit was upon him. You know, that didn't happen very much in the Old Testament days. The Holy Spirit is in him. So strong was his connection to God. And it's important to note that he was staying very close to God while he waited. Uh, Maybe there's a little cue for us. While you're waiting, are you staying close to God? Perhaps most importantly, Luke says, and when they came, Simeon was there. (laughs) Simeon was there when the time came for Jesus to be dedicated to God. He was not off somewhere else. He was not busy with other things. He was there at the moment when his life was going to have God's promise fulfilled. Here was where he needed to be when God showed up. Afterwards, Luke says one other thing is about Simeon, that he was ready to die in peace, for now he had seen God's salvation. Simeon's song we call a song of hope. It was a song of hope Fulfilled, not not hope that is based on nothing, you know, a hope that is just this this fleeting dream, this idea, this hope that that maybe or maybe not this was hope fulfilled. He was sure of it. He was certain of it. He was confident of it. And God's promise to Simeon had now been kept. Look at Luke 2, 29, 31. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised, for I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. Simeon's Song of Hope is actually in two parts here. You need to notice that. First of all, there's the part that says Jesus is the deliverer. He's the Messiah. He's the salvation. He is the one to bring us salvation. Verses 30 to 32 says, I've seen your salvation, which you've prepared. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus came to earth to provide salvation, not just for the Jews, but for all nations on earth. That is very clear. And his life he says, is a light that reveals God to everyone, everywhere. Only in Jesus can we know God. Only in Jesus can we be saved. So Jesus is the deliverer. But there's a second part to this song of hope. 
that Jesus is the divider. And that's kind of where we're living today, isn't it? It's in verses 34 and 35. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul, Mary. Jesus' coming forces people to make a choice. Jesus is not one that is content to say, you know, just do whatever you want with me. You know, I want you to make a choice. He draws the line in the sand. Are you willing to step over? Are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to pay the cost of following me? Are you willing to pick up your cross daily and follow me? And because of Jesus, many have had to make a decision either for God or against God. Mary and Joseph had already made that decision. They had already made the choice to follow God, but that didn't mean things were going to be easy for them. There was a cost. They're already paying that cost. And Simeon says, Mary, this is going to hurt. This is going to be difficult at times for you. You see, God was powerfully moving in ways that would change everything. In Jesus, God's grace would become available to everyone on planet Earth. Simeon had no idea how everything was going to be worked out, but he knew this moment in time when God kept his promise to him. God made a promise and God kept it. Simeon steadfastly hung on to God's promise for decades and decades, we believe. It is something that, you you know, you can can say, well, yeah, I believed him this week and next week I forgot about it. This guy that believed God his entire lifetime, he waited faithfully for God to do what God had promised. So how did he do that? Well, because his hope wasn't in man, it wasn't in himself, it wasn't in group of people or some idea, it wasn't in his material goods, it was in Almighty God. There's where he put his hope. A God who always makes good on his promises. Now, he didn't know when, he didn't know how, but he knew that God would do what he promised to do. Do we have that same hope and confidence and trust in God today? Rick Warren recently wrote a blog that I really appreciated. It was called Five Lessons About God's Timing We Can Learn from the Christmas Story. I wanted to share those with you because they fit so well into Simeon's story. Here's a guy that's trusting. Didn't know the timing, but he's trusting. He's hoping. He's confident. Here are five lessons about God's timing. You might want to write them down and have a little place to jot this down. And think about this. First of all, God has a timetable for everything that happens. We don't. We think we do. We hope we do. We'd like to have one. But God literally has a timetable. This this is not like God's surprised by anything. He has a plan. No matter what, he has a plan, even if we don't see it. And, you know, even if we can't see what the plan is, God knows what his plan is. He has a timetable. Secondly, God does not tell us the details in advance. This is the rub. (laughs) I wish he would sometimes. Sometimes I'm glad he doesn't. You know, we usually get God's plan in pieces on a a need-to-know basis. And, and so we get a step, and then we take that step, and then we get another piece, and then we take that step, and we keep on moving as, in a fashion like that. Thirdly, God is never in a hurry, and he's never late. He seems slow before he moves. You know, we think, God, why are you being so slow? Why am I having to wait so long? But then when he moves, we think, 
man, you were wise. You were really wise to wait. You were wise to, to wait until this moment. After you move, then, then we saw what you were doing. God acts at just the right time, but never a second too early. Fourthly, God's timing is not always convenient, and that's also a problem for us. We're often put off by God's delays, but later on we realize how much we have grown while we were waiting. You know, the, the hardships of life are some of the best lessons of life. It's a false expectation to think that things will be easy when we choose to follow God. So let's, let's get over that right now. It's not always convenient. And finally, at the right time, God can do anything instantly. He has the power. He has the ability. And he will, at some point, move powerfully. At some point, he will act swiftly and decisively. But he's waiting for the fullness of time, Scripture says. He's waiting for the moment to be right. At just the right time, God will come. God will move. God will do what he promised to do. Now, these are good lessons to remember, especially when we are waiting for a long time for God to move. Our current circumstances come to mind, don't they? 2020, all the waiting we've been doing this year, all of the deliberating, all of the guessing, all of the wondering, should we or shouldn't we? Even Christmas now is coming. Our son was planning on coming. Now he's not coming because of the virus, you know, and plans get changed, get get thrown in the trash of what you thought was going to happen. The waiting is terrible. But what a time for us to have this message today. Studying, studying Simeon's story has really made me wonder, what are we waiting and hoping for? Who or what are we putting our hope in? You know, um, you know why are we so frustrated? Why are we so impatient? Are, are we misplacing something? Are we thinking... You know, something else is going to be the answer here. Is it the vaccine for COVID-19? Is it, you know, the end of the virus? If we could just get rid of this virus and its impact, then life would be better. Is that how we're going to somehow, some way get back to normal and go on with our lives? Is our hope somehow in the political process that if we could just reunite, if we could just resolve things politically in our nation, if we could just get moving forward together and work together across the aisle, you know, all these ideas, of if we could just do that, would then we be happy? Would that then be the answer? Is that where we put our hope? Would everything suddenly be better if it was decided that the president actually won this election? You know, these are, these are thoughts that we have. And we put our hope in these things when that's not the place to put our hope. That's not the place to, to say, you know, I could really be excited then because now I would see things moving in the right direction. I could see my life getting back to normal. I could see peace and prosperity once again. And COVID-19 this year has shown us that it is foolish to put our confidence in politicians or the government or the stock market or our jobs or even our good health. We can't guarantee any of those things. We can't control any of these things. So where do we place our hope? We have to place it in Almighty God. And we have to trust that He will move when it is perfect timing for Him to do so. As I studied Simeon's story of waiting on God for many years, God taught me two things. Just suddenly one day, just just came on me, you know, just like, Wow, it says, 
these things just kind of impress me. I, maybe they'll help you. I don't know. Sec, the first thing was that the strength and the length of our hope depends on the level of confidence we have. You know, to hold on to something and to be strong in your confidence depends on the level of confidence you have. If you don't have a little, much confidence in someone or something, then, you know, you can easily give up on that hope. That's not going anywhere. But secondly... Our level of confidence depends on the source of our confidence. The, the way you hang on, the way you hold on, the way you stay steadfast, the way you wait successfully until the end, until the timing, until God shows up and God does what God has promised to do is you put your confidence in the right place to begin with. Simeon had the kind of hope that lasted a lifetime because he had total confidence in God, not in anyone else. And God is the greatest source of confidence possible. If our hope does not stand up to difficulty, if it does not stand up to delay, it is because we put hope in the wrong place. If we have put our hope in man or an organization or in our material things, we are going to be disappointed. We are going to fail. But if our hope is in God, we can stand fast through the years, through many years, because he will never fail to make good on his promises. We've never caught God in a lie. We've never caught God in a broken promise. And if we put our hope in him, we will not be disappointed. We will not fail. George Bernard Shaw was perhaps most renowned as a free thinker and a liberal philosopher. He was an avowed atheist and proud of it. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you've read some of his stuff. In his last writings, we learn the most about his heart. This is what he wrote. The science to which I pin my faith is bankrupt. Its councils, which should have established the millennium, led instead directly to the suicide of Europe. I believed them once. In their name, I helped to destroy the faith of millions of worshipers in the temples of a thousand creeds. And now they look at me and they witness the great tragedy of an atheist who has lost his faith. Wow, what words. Trusting only in himself, trusting only in man, Shaw's belief system failed miserably. He was lost, and he knew it, and I think he died that way. If he had only reached out to the God that he had mocked, he would have discovered that God would never fail him. I want to ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? To Simeon, he was salvation. He was the answer to the promise God had made him. To Simeon, he was the only savior of this world, whether you're talking Jews or Gentiles. Simeon had waited his entire life to meet Jesus, and now Jesus had arrived. His hope was fulfilled in this little baby. And now Simeon could die in peace, knowing that God had sent his Messiah into the world to save us all. This has been a difficult year. The first part of 2021 doesn't really promise to be much better. It may be even more difficult. 
it may stretch on for a long time, this thing called a pandemic. So how are we doing? How are we going to survive? How are we going to continue living in faith and trust and hope? Well, we're going to do that by putting our confidence in God, by trusting God even while we wait. A woman named Ann Willie took her two little children to Texas to be with her parents during Christmas back in the 1940s. World War II was going on, and her husband was stationed in Europe fighting with the other soldiers from America. Anne and her parents prepared for Christmas, got the tree up, all the gifts bought. They were enjoying the many joys of Christmas, almost putting aside the worries of the year. You know, just for a little while, let's not think about the war. And then one week before Christmas, they got that dreaded knock on the door and the terrible telegram greeting, the one that said Anne's husband had been killed in the war. And so this young mother had to tell her little children that their daddy wouldn't be coming home for Christmas or ever. And that night after she finally got her children tucked in bed, Anne went up to her own room to weep alone. She stayed up there a long time, in fact, all night. Her parents were downstairs debating, what are we supposed to do about Christmas? What are we supposed to do now? And they finally decided to take down the Christmas tree and all the decorations and just put the presents away. And the next morning, when Anne came out of her room, she saw the empty spot where the Christmas tree had been. And she said to her mother, Mother, what have you done? And her mother said, honey, you were so brokenhearted, and your father and I talked, and we decided that this is no time for Christmas. And Anne said, oh, no, mother, this is exactly the right time for Christmas. Isn't it just the right time for Christmas today? Christmas is a time of hope, a time when we remember to put our hope not in man but in God. For it is God who sent His Son Jesus into the world to save us and to give us hope for eternity. Simeon learned that the reward was worth the wait. Have we? Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this time in Your Word, for the example You've given us of a man who hung on to You and to Your promises throughout a lifetime of difficulty and heartache of watching his country in turmoil and trouble, and yet he steadfastly came back to you every day in expectation and anticipation of the promise fulfilled in the Savior. We're grateful today that we can celebrate Christmas, that we can realize so much more of the story than Simeon saw or Mary and Joseph saw at this time, to know that Jesus grew up he showed us who you are and how you do things. He lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross on our behalf. But death could not hold him, and he rose from the grave, triumphant forever, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. He is our Savior. He is the one in, in whom we put our trust. He is the one in whom we place our hope. Because he will never fail us. And we thank you, God, for that reminder today. 
Help us to live in expectation. Help us to wait expectantly for what you will do with certainty. With absolute confidence and trust in you, help us to live our lives during this pandemic and into the next year, whatever it may hold. For our hope is not in man, but in you. Our confidence and our hope is in you, Lord. We give you our praise and thanks. You will show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me and let's sing to the Lord together this morning. Thank you.